What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. So what's up, everybody? We are officially one more week of season of lies. And, and then actual people start getting picked. One week out. One more week of lies. We got Brady Quinn, Ryan Clark fighting about CJ Stroud on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Like, well, hey, man. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, yeah, see that? That's you see ugly. how that stuff happens? Yeah, that's getting ugly. Yeah, yeah, well, I don't know if they were talking to each other. He just commented on social media, maybe? Oh, or maybe talking, on his on his they're phone. They're talking to each other now on social media. Are they? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, what, what, so what was the gist of it all? I mean, something about Shroud stood up the, the Passing Academy, right? Stood up the Mannings. Yeah. Brady Quinn said that in Manning a podcast. Academy. Right. And he said it so, I, I listened to that. He said it so easily like it was like a no-brainer. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if that's valid or not, where I think Ryan Clark was like, no, he didn't. He, he, he told him he wasn't coming, and he Stayed with his teammates and worked out with his teammates the whole offseason, right? Which then, see how that could turn a shed a whole different light on what was said. Right. See, they're totally different. So, you know, what what do you believe is true? Here, <laughs> what do you think is true? I don't think he stood at the Mannings. I don't think he did that. I mean, he may have been wanting to go or was on tap, and, and I don't know. Maybe he was on tap to go at one point, and maybe he told the people that who mattered and said, look, I'm just going to stay in Columbus. I don't want to come down there. I'm throwing with my guys every day. I'm doing this. There's, I don't think he just stood them up. Yeah. You know what I think happened? I'm just guessing. I have no idea. Just kind of listening to both sides. I think he never gave them a firm yes, mm-hmm. but he, you know, he never told them no either. And so when it got down to the like day or before, they didn't say, hey, we need a commitment. He then probably said, I'm staying here and I'm, I decided I'm going to just stay and work out with my teammates. That's probably a little more important than going to the, the Manning uh, Passing Academy. I, I bet that's what happened. And so from the Manning Academy point of view, they're saying, well, dang, you stood us up. We've we been promoting like you were going to be here because you kind of alluded that you probably would, but you just wasn't sure. Right. And then, you know, so that's kind of how stuff like to happen. Here's what you learn as an athlete. And I think, you know, I, I heard uh, C.J. Stroud in an interview and he said it right on point. And I, I I actually sent it to my son is because, you know, hearing from another young guy instead of from the dad is kind of a little different is he said, you just realize that people are going to say good things about you. They're going to go say bad things about you. So you don't try to maneuver and be something that you're not. You just continue to be who you are and don't worry about what people say because they're going to say whatever they're going to say anyway. So it really doesn't matter. That's what he said. And so I think a lot of young youngsters really Need to, especially athletes, because in the end of the day, people don't want to hear negative stuff about them, especially if they're not true. Right. You know, so, you know, you, you know, and especially the way athletes are built, uh, especially mentally, unless you're super advanced, those are things that really can be used for motivation in some senses and also can hurt you if you let it infest in you, you know, at the same time. So, uh, you know, so it seems like to me, he's a high character guy and, I want to believe whatever he said happened, happened, to be honest. Uh, so, I, I, you know, the first thing I want to hear was, where did Brady Quinn get this information? 
I mean, who who told you this? Because that then will let us know if it was true or not. Because if it came from the academy, then they said it. Then okay, then let's justify this and take it to CJ Stroud. Right? What happened? Yeah. So you know, it is it is. But I don't think it hurt him by any means, as far as uh, his draft right. stock or anything else. But you know what I am buy, buying into though. You you helped me, but then I asked a question yesterday is, Texas may not take a quarterback with number two with them having a second pick at, what, 12? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they may. They may because they, they, they're, there may be a quarterback and probably will be at least one of the top five there at 12. At worst case scenario, if, if they have them ranked one to five and Hooker's five, you take take him. If Levis, Levis is there, I think you take him. I mean, I, I just feel like they that's where we're going to go. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean, two and twelve, they got options. Two and twelve, yeah. you get you could literally get the best defensive player on your board in the whole draft, yeah. and then you could get one of the top quarterbacks at twelve. Yeah, I heard John McClain say it in an interview too. So that's really gave it validation to me. You see, don't yeah, believe they, me. I mean, the man in you know, black, I believe John you, McClain. but I didn't happen to hear that. I was like, whoa. So he's so he thinks double dip gets a quarterback at twelve. Yeah. Uh, he's, because they he, think that one of them will be available at 12. And then Nick Casario's had to fight off rumors about him just leaving after the draft. Yeah, they said that's not true, but yeah. That's not true. I don't. It, it, it feels like somebody's trying to be very mischievous that's, within the organization because somebody put that out there, but that had to get out. Mm-hmm. McLean had to refute it. That tells you how stuff gets started, and it's not even true even at that level. And probably even worse at that level just because, you know, if you're at an executive level, somebody who ran with that had to be someone of importance mm-hmm. who told somebody who told somebody, didn't they, you know, get it out there. And the thing to remember with all of this is if a team is further back and they want a guy to drop to him, hey, man, we heard, we heard this guy's got some concerns about that. You want him to drop. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, I, hey, man, you didn't hear this from me, but, you know, this dude uh, he stood up Archie Manning and them. Uh, you didn't hear that from me. Really? <laughs> I, no, I, I don't know. No, yeah. You didn't hear it from me. Yeah. I'm hey, not well, used to being in those conversations, but you are. <laughs> I've never been in those I don't, conversations. I, I'm not in those conversations, man. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't get privy to information. So that's why I just give my own uneducated opinion. Uneducated, educated opinion. Well, I mean, you lived through all this stuff, but so. there are always things you find out later. You know, it wasn't true. It was it was shades of gray. It was like the Stroud thing. There's got to be some in between on this, like yeah. you said. Maybe mm-hmm. just never gave him a firm yes, and eventually said, "Okay, I, I just can't do it, guys. I I'm gonna yeah. stick around." Well, well, here's what happens. Just imagine this now. You, Ryan Day is in your your quarterback's head. Hey, man, you want to be at the passing game? You don't want to work to help our team get better. Don't don't forget now. These these head coaches are very selfish. And they want to win. Hey, man, we, we got a chance to win the national title. So, I mean, you, you make your decision. I'm, I'm cool either way. And that's all you got to do is do that. And then he's like, I, I can't I can't let my teammates down. I, I, I want to win this chip. Now, Lucas, on the other hand, he would have left and went to the Manny Pass Academy. <laughs> they have some fun down there. Lucas likes to have fun. He likes the food. Lucas it's like summer camp. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like summer For camp. For quarterbacks. He would have said, hey, man, can we do some fishing? Because, you know, I love eating, so I got one of them, you know. Not a big my, fisher, though. Uh, uh, oh, really? But an eater of fish. Though. I'm an eater of fish. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can I can buy into fishing if we are going to eat the fish. Yeah, 
Well, well they're going to be fishing for Hooker because Hooker is visiting the commanders today. I mean, on Monday. <laughs> do we know what pick all, are the commanders? Where all is Hooker being? Do we, Lucas, you just have that in your Rolodex of ideas. I know. Let me, let me see what I can find. Well, here's what I'm about to say. I don't think he's going to be ready for training camp. <laughs> I have no source to any of this. Commanders pick 16, by the way. Yeah. How many, how many places have uh, has Hooker been to? How many visits? Working on it. NFL visits. We're, we're, and that's we're why I'm saying this that. hard. And I, don't, I have no I'm hoping he is ready. Man, he had a torn ACL. Uh, flying in the air is not a good deal for no uh, any type of injury. I'm going to just say that, especially lower body. I mean, if my ankle was sprained in the game and we flying back, that thing swole up like a balloon when we got on them plane. I, I'm like, hey, man, we need to put a compression sleeve on this ankle, knee, because this thing is is bothering me. And so you up here trying to drown yourself in anti-inflammatory, and it ain't working. Nothing. So hey, all that flying off an ACL, see? They don't care about you, man. You better be ready on uh when we start training camp. He's definitely visited with the entirety of the AFC South, with the exception of Jacksonville. See? He's at least been visited, I bet you, Giants, 10 teams. Uh, yep. The Giants, I saw the New York Giants. Uh, he's about to visit the Commanders. He's visited the Raiders. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Hooker, though, man. He Packers, Saints. This <laughs> dude. This says also that he is visit. He is he, the Buccaneers. Uh, throw them in the mix. Oh, I like that fit there with some weapons he's got. I think we Maybe just covered them all. Yeah, I know. So he he, Buccaneers. he visited at least ten, didn't he? Right around there, because people now are starting to feel like, you know, the teams. He's probably the third best quarterback in this draft. For sure. Tampa Bay picks at 19. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying he should go at the bottom of the draft. When you start saying for the first round, you start saying, well, what, what's keeping the team from drafting him at 15? Uh, okay, 12. 11. Tighten up. <laughs> Tighten up. Mm. Me, meanwhile, speaking of the, the Titans, the Titans signed a wide receiver a couple of days ago. Did you knew this? I knew it. You knew this. This I dude, knew you knew this, he, and I knew this. Too. Tim Kelly knew this dude because they were together in twenty twenty one. Exactly, exactly. The the Falcons signed Titans, and the Titans signed Texans. That's just what happens. Circle of life. <laughs> I guess so. I, I I don't understand why that happened. <laughs> It's almost like one organization trusts the other organization when they had him on the team, but then when they cut him, like, oh, we can't wait to get him. Let's get this guy. Mm. Oh man, what, what, do we even know what he did against the Titans? I looked up his stats last week when he, like, I, you know, he he's a he's a journeyman. I think he what he played seven years or eight years in this league, or he's going on eight years, something like that. But he had his best year with the Texans last, last year because year. they had some guys get hurt. Cook being one of them. I feel like he's a better version and maybe even faster version of NWI. That's what I feel based off of what he did last season. Because I, I still didn't know who he was. I had to go look at him. He had some decent stats last year, but that was kind of his best year. I don't, he, he's it was not his a, best year. He started, it wasn't a, a better special teamer, though, than NWI. He started seven games. That's the most of his career. He had 48 catches, 548 yards, 10 catches, and 124 yards came versus Dallas. Like, they had nobody else. He 
He got every. He, he, he took advantage of his opportunity. He did. What's his size? He's a, he's a he's kind of a tall. I think he's like a six two guy. I think who runs you know fairly well. So six one two hundred. Yeah. So he got a nice build to him. He's about Lucas's size. Six one two hundred. That's what I see. He's an NWI. I think he's a tad faster. But other than I mean, you know, that's probably what NWI's career is going to end up being somewhere He's around there. From Orlando, which is where NWI oh, is. is from. He, he went to school in the Midwest. He went to Cincinnati. NWI went oh, to right. Indiana. They're the same person. Oh, Although NWI is bigger than bigger bigger than that, isn't he? Uh, well, you mean taller? Or even big? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like he's uh weighs more than two hundred. He's six two. Okay. It's about the same. Right? Uh, yeah, they're they're essentially the same person. Yeah, they, so they this signed, one's just uh, older, and you know, and, and he'd probably be the fourth. He's a security blanket, fifth, you know, sixth guy type guy. Yeah, and you know, I hate to say it like that, but man, he he, you know what? I respect dudes like that because he believes and he got the opportunity and he showcased what he could do. Five five hundred yards. Watch this. What was NWI stats last year? NWI. Lucas, you probably know the stuff off the top of your head. 397. No. 397. 25 catches, 397. Oh, he dipped from the year before, huh? This dude almost doubled what NWI did. So the year before that. year before the he had. Bengals, 538 for 476. 476. Yeah. And four oh, yeah, touchdowns. See, so he, he's better, yeah. Yeah. So in his best year, NWI, in his best, he's played three. He hasn't done what this other dude has done in his best year. Mm-mm. I think this guy's a little faster. No, I was watching some video because I, I, I really did not remember him. That's what intrigued me. I was like, well, dang. And then I looked up his stats. I said, let's go here. Let's see if he was just a special team guy. And I go, well, dang, how did I miss this? 500 yards? He came out a, wh- a while ago. I mean, No, he's, he's going on his eighth year. Yeah, he'll be 30 this fall. In yeah. Baltimore, he played He played 66% of the special teams one year. He played 61% one year. He played 56% one year. And then for Houston, like you said, other things kind of came up. He only played 5% of special team snaps last year. So he, he had to play receiver. And, and this could be a huge depth piece, security blanket. If they draft two receivers, he could be on the chopping block just on numbers. Yep. Just on numbers alone. See, so, you know, yeah. They got to draft two receivers, don't they? I, I don't know, man. It depends on how this draft go. <laughs> I am getting silly willy with this draft stuff, man. Because I, I, it's, it's, it's got to be here. Right? It should be this weekend. We have another week of this. No, I am ready for it to just let's go. We have another week of this. Oh, man. Enjoy it. Lean I'm in. starting to start go back around. It's making me change. Like, I'm changing every draft slot I'm picking the Titans at. I'm changing every week. We do it. We go in tomorrow again. I'm going to have, I'm, watch this. I'm going to go all, I don't know. Well, I'm going all pass rushers. Yeah, <laughs> man. I don't know what I may go all, watch this. I'm going all, all DBs. <laughs> nice. Nice. Get your guy Spoon up there. Oh, man, I, oh, I love me some spoon. All right, let's keep the draft talk going. Justin Mello from the Draft Network will join us next. Maybe you got somebody you want to hear about specifically. Slip a name in the Zone oh, TV right. chat or tweet us at Blaine and Mickey, by the way. Follow us at Blaine and Mickey on Twitter, at Blaine and Mickey on Instagram. Follow now. Follow me.
Uh, Let's see, something different for dinner. Searching restaurants near me. Right here, ma'am. How can we help? Gee, same old, same old. Wait, we're, we're right here, ma'am. Our restaurant's just a few blocks from you. Why is she not seeing us? Back to the usual, I guess. Ma'am, can you not see us? Nope, they can't see you. Because you're buried deep in the list of local restaurants. You are invisible online. Introducing Cumulus Boost. Get a boost, get found, get on the map. Learn more at Cumulus Boost. Stacking Benjamins with Joe and his good friend OG not only has great financial insight, it's laid back with humor too. The quiet luxury trend is out and loud budgeting is in. Are we tired of the pet names? Yeah, because I'm loud and obnoxious, so this fits right in with me. And I'm like, yes, finally budgeting for me. <laughs> I get to walk into a restaurant and go, I'm cheap as hell, and you're not getting a tip. Live from Doug's Budget. <laughs> Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Find to make you 1045 The Zone. You know, one more week until the draft gets here. We're all busy just talking about draft stuff. Nobody's busier talking about it than Justin Mello, who joins us now. He's literally with the Draft Network. This is his whole life at Justin M- <laughs> underscore NFL. Is this your whole life? Well, I mean, your whole work life. You no, 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 no. Mickey said as though it's your whole entire life. And I, I believe it. <laughs> I believe it, man, because you know every player known to man. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, sometimes my uh, my wife tells me it is my whole life. Uh, that's what she <laughs> says, so you're not wrong. Hey, uh, Brady Quinn's got some concerns about St- C.J. Stroud. Do you, do you share those concerns? Oh, that was your first one. Oh, my yeah, That's what man. people are talking about. They're, oh, they're nah, all I over know. the place. Well, easy. <laughs> this is tough, right? Like, there seems to be some conflicting reports out there about him, right? There, there, I think it was the Brady Quinn came out and said how he ghosted the Manning passing camp and that that was a red flag. And then someone came to his defense and said he did not ghost them. It was like a cancellation, and they were well aware in advance. There's all this hoopla about the S2 test, which I'm sure you guys may have heard about, right, saying that mm-hmm. this is a, a cognitive uh, you know, test that, that, that really has done well over these last couple of years in terms of predicting good quarterbacks, you know, those that have done well uh, have performed well, and those that have not done well on the test um, have sort of flunked out of the NFL. So there's a report out there saying he didn't do so well on that test. It's hard to say, right? Like when I watched him play football, I never came to the conclusion that he struggles with processing information, right? Like I thought he's a, you know, a, a good decision maker at Ohio State. He's accurate. He's still my guy. You know, if, if the Titans are looking to pick a quarterback uh, or move up for one, Bryce Young is off the table, right, in my opinion. Bryce Young's going number one overall to the Carolina Panthers, so that's not going to be an option. But if they can move up with a, for a quarterback, I think C.J., uh, you know, should be their target ahead of Anthony Richardson and Will Levin. So you're Justin Mello again, the Draft Network, our, our guest. So you interview tons of prospects every year, tons of prospects. How do these negative things get started? It has to start somewhere. And, like, there was nothing ever negative about C.J. Stroud. Now, about a week out of the draft, oh, he ghosted the Mannings. Oh, he didn't do well on that test. Uh, you know, there's been other things with other guys. Uh, what's the genesis of those things? 
Look, if, and before I get into that, if anyone could understand ghosting the Mannings, it should be those folks in Tennessee, right? I think Jeff Fisher wishes he had a chance to ghost the Mannings a couple times uh, back when they had those, uh, you know, play dates within the division. But um, it, it's tough to say, Mickey. I, I think ultimately, you know, we, we're a week out, right? We, in the draft world, we like to call this lying season, right? Like you said it, all this time. I mean, heck, you can go back to last year, right, when nobody wanted to draft a quarterback in the first round. Everyone said, well, just wait for next year, right? You wait for C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Well, now nobody wants C.J. Stroud, and it's, oh, wait for next year, right? Wait for Caleb Williams and Drake May. I'm sure we'll be having this discussion a year from now on something negative regarding Caleb Williams and or Drake May. So, look, sometimes it's, it's wild. It's rival camps, right, who are trying to push up a guy, trying to push down a guy. Heck, sometimes it's even teams, it's general managers, right, who might like a guy or dislike a guy and want them to fall in their lap. But the, the most harrowing thing I can say about that is this is an ugly business, in all honesty. It's a really ugly business. You can't put it past a general manager or a scout or a director of pro personnel to put something out there, you know, negative about a guy in hopes that they end up falling in their lap. As a result, right, there are a lot of promises made in this business. There are a lot of false promises, a lot of lying that goes around. So uh, it, it, it could come at you from all angles, really. Justin Mello, our guest at Justin M underscore NFL, the Draft Network, as well as a whole bunch of local uh, sources as well. Well, Justin, we know you don't do any of that lying in the lion season, but you tell us facts and what your opinions are. And I really want to hear your different scouting report between these two edge rushers because there's been a lot of talk that Tyree Wilson actually could go before Will Anderson Jr. Give us your breakdown of both of these guys and let us know who you think will potentially be the better NFL player. So uh, I've got a hard time with that one. And what, what I mean by that is by, by putting Tyree Wilson ahead of Will Anderson. Like, I'm a big Will Anderson guy. He's my number one player in this class overall, regardless of position. Uh, look, I, I, I may have said this a few weeks ago, but last year when we were at the, you know, the 2022 draft, and it goes back to what I said about the quarterbacks, everyone was saying if Will Anderson was in the 2022 class, he would have gone number one overall. Mm-hmm. And I believe that to be true, right? Because we had a, a, a bit of a surprise at number one with Trayvon Walker, a bit of an, you know, a projection based on the athletic traits. If Roy Anderson's in that class last year, he goes number one. There's no doubt about it. He's a Jacksonville Jaguar. He's a guy that converts speed to power extremely well. I will say the one you know, sort of negative trait you, you hear on him throughout this process is that Alabama schemed up some of those pressures for him. Right? They were able to put him in good positions to win. And I actually had a really lengthy conversation with Will Anderson yesterday. Uh, that you guys would not have known of yet, a good time thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I got your phone that. bug, man. I, I, knew, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I asked him, I, well, you know what I'm going to say then? I asked him, I asked him about that. I said, look, it's really hard to poke holes in your game. If I'm even going to try, if anyone's going to try, we talk about how Alabama schemes up some of those pressures. You know, that was really one of the hardball questions I threw him. I said, well, how do you explain that to teams? What, what's your reasoning behind that? And I thought he gave me a really good answer. He said, look, um, uh, I'm not, you know, you're not going to knock me uh, because I had really good coaching, right? Like, we hope it's the same at the next level, right? Coaches are there to put us in positions to win, right? That's why they're there, to scheme things up, to, to gain an advantage, gain an upper hand pre-snap. And, yes, Alabama did a really good job of doing that. Nick Saban is a mastermind of that. 
and I'm hoping I get similar coaching at the next level, you know, that we'll be with a team that's going to put us in positions to be successful and get sacks and create turnovers and all those good things. I thought that was a great answer. In relation to Tyree Wilson, I, I, I have a hard time understanding why someone would take him before Will Anderson. The issue I have with that is I'm not even certain what position he's going to play at the next level, right? Like, he's got some of that inside-outside versatility. I don't know that he's quite explosive enough to play full-time on the edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see him maybe as like a Dina Kowatri-type player for Titans listeners, or a guy mm. that ideally you're going to play inside, right, next to a traditional three-tech like a Jeffrey Simmons. And that's where I think he does his best work. But you know what? If you find yourself in a pinch – like the Titans did this past year without Harold Landry and Bud Dupree, you can kick him outside. You can kick Tyree Wilson outside, and he'll get you through a game. He'll give you some good snaps there, even though he doesn't possess maybe the first-step explosiveness of your prototypical you know, ed, uh, every-down edge rusher. I think he's got that outside-inside versatility. I love his length. I love his power. There are a, there's a lot to like about him. Don't get me wrong, and I do think he's a top-ten pick. But for me personally, uh, it's Will Anderson, number one overall, all day long. Mm. Well, let's go down a little bit, and I don't know if this guy's going to be, you know, mid-round guy, but he's our edge rusher, and that's the Caleb Murphy kid from uh, Ferris State, 6'4", 245. What do you see out of him, and where do you project it, what round for him? Well, the most interesting thing about him is uh, it's not getting enough attention. He set the NCAA all-time single-season record for sacks this year. I mean, that's an unbelievable thing to say. He had 25 and a half sacks this past year. I mean, I don't care how you're doing it. That's production. And the last player from his conference, the GLIAC, to have more than 20 sacks in a single season was another small schooler by the name of Matthew Judon. The New England Patriots now, and it's like a four or five-time pro bowler, right? He was one of the best edge rushers in the league this past year. So there's some interesting things to like, to like about this kid. You love the production. Ferris State, D2, small school guy. Uh, I, I, I certainly, I do think he'll get drafted due to that production. I don't think it'll happen before the sixth or seventh round because when you do turn the tape on, you are able to tell that he's a bit of a small school guy, right? It's not 25 and a half sacks that are just, he's screaming off the edge. He's being guys, uh, you know, in, inside counters, winning the outside shoulder. There, there are a lot of those plays that are, that are hustle sacks, motor sacks. You love that as well but it doesn't always translate to the next level, right? Like, you got to have um, some obvious natural abilities. And he's got some of those. They're moldable traits. They're tools that you like to work with. So I do think he'll get drafted. That production certainly warrants a pick, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I'd be pretty shocked if it happened before the sixth round. All righty. Cool, man. We're on with Justin Mello, the Draft Network. I, you know, two more questions, I guess, here with, with DBs. I'm always going to go there, and especially the cornerback position, since that's <laughs> what I played in college. And that is the kid from Utah, the five nine ten oh, Dynamo, man. Clark Phillips. And then compare him and kind of contrast him here to Riley Moss, the Iowa cornerback who I watched at the Senior Bowl. And, man, he was fantastic. He had good long speed. He was better than I advertised, at least for what I was thinking he was going to look like anyway. So I don't want to butcher this, but was it Mark Twain that said it's not the size of the dog, it's the size of the fight in the dog? Yeah. Right? Or sorry, the amount of fight in the dog? Uh That's Clark Phillips all day long, right? Like he's 5'9". I love him. I got a top 32 grade on him. That might be Mm. a bit rich for some based on the size. (laughs) But I actually have to have – I got a chance to have a conversation with him the other day. That interview just published on thedraftnetwork.com, I think, yesterday. Um, And I asked him about that. I asked him about the size. How are you explaining it? 
And look, uh, he, he came to me as advertised. This is a guy that loves ball. His understanding of X's and O's is through the roof. He put together three years of excellent tape at Utah, which are, is a big program in my opinion. I love what Coach Kyle Whittingham has done over there. And look at some of the receivers he's had to cover. Turn on the tape this year. Watch him play against Jordan Addison, Addison. twice. Mm-hmm. Him and I talked about that matchup a lot. He gave me a really good lengthy answer about the differences between both of those games and how he approached Addison differently in the second game than the first game. This guy loves the ball so much. At the end of the interview, he thanked me. He said, oh, man, you don't know how nice it is, refreshing, to do an interview where we just want to talk football. Because he goes, it's hard for me to turn it off. You know, I'm doing some of these mainstream media appearances, and they want to talk about, you know, some basic stuff. And I want to talk ball. I want to talk X's and O's all day long. He covered Drake London last year, you know, when Drake was at USC. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I asked him about that size, he gave me, I think, one of the best answers I've had. Because I'm telling teams, turn on the tape, show me one play in college where I got mossed. Show me one play where someone climbed over the top of me and caught the ball. The answer is zero. It never happened. And he had 10 interceptions yeah, at Utah. Like there, are, there are obviously some size question marks there, no doubt about it. The majority of teams are projecting him to the nickel as a result. Right. But one thing he told me that kind of stuck with me a little bit is you know, there are three teams I've spoken to, the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, and the Los Angeles Rams. All three of them told me they think I'm capable of playing the boundary. They see me as a versatile player, can play inside and outside for them. Outside is not off the table for those three teams. My takeaway from that is, huh, Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl champions. Buffalo Bills, routinely in the playoffs every year, got a great defense, a great defensive mind head coach in Sean McDermott. Really good DB coach in John Butler as well. Los Angeles Rams, a little bit on the downfall. They did just win the Super Bowl, right? Sean McVay, excellent head coach. Three smart franchises, smart organizations that know how to scout young players, know how to put them in positions to be successful, all three of them love Clark Phillips. The way he compares to Riley Moss to me, they're very different. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a quick tidbit on Riley yeah. Moss at Iowa uh, that I think you'll enjoy, Blaine. When we were on the phone with the Senior Bowl, had a little pre-conversation. It was a mean about you know, 25, 30 others in the industry. Jim Nagy, director of the Senior Bowl, was running us through all the players. When Riley Moss's name came up, Louis Reddick, who I believe you're all familiar with, ESPN analyst, has actually been a candidate to be a general manager in the NFL. He's interviewed for GM jobs, highly respected uh, individual in our industry. Louis Reddick unmuted his phone. First time he had done it all call. It's about an hour into the call. And he said, hey, I love that freaking kid. That guy is unbelievable. And he mm-hmm. said, you know what? And, and, and Louis Reddick, he said it himself. Is there going to be some stereotypes with this kid? Because he's a white cornerback, right, right? right? And we don't see a lot of white corners at the next level. Don't fall into the stereotype of saying, oh, he's a try-hard, he's this. Mm-mm. No, he can, you said it, Blaine. He can open up his hips and run. Mm-hmm. He is fast. He is faster than fast. He's got a track background. Ran track at Iowa, ran track at high school. He's got a, he, he has got long speed for days. I will say I do like him better in zone coverage. I think Clark Phillips, you asked me to compare them, is a little bit more versatile. I like Clark Phillips in both man and zone. I don't really like Riley Moss in man. But you know what? They played a lot of zone at Iowa, and uh, he's really good driving forward. Keeps his eyes on the quarterback, reads the play, led to a ton of ball production. I think he leaves Iowa. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think he had close to 30 pass breakups, 10, 10, 12 interceptions at Iowa. So they played a lot of zone. They asked him to play forward. He was really good at clicking and closing, getting his hands in the, in the air and competing that catch point. Mm, great stuff. Our guy Justin Mello on talking the NFL draft. You wrote about three targets for the Titans uh, in the second round. Really good stuff. I did. Yeah, I was 
try to take a stab at it. I decided to look at three different positions. Mm. I identified guys that they've shown a lot of interest in, and I'm, I'm not a rookie, so try to try to do some dot connecting. Uh, Tyler Scott, the receiver from Cincinnati, it's going to be rich. It's going to be early for a lot of people's blood. I think he's going to go earlier than the general public thinks. Titans took him out to dinner the night before Cincinnati's Pro Day. Mike Vrabel was present at that dinner. Tim Kelly, offensive coordinator. Other members of this coaching staff and the scouting staff. This was a very large dinner that they took Tyler Scott to. I was told they really like him. And I think he's going in the second round. He's got 4-3 speed. Legit speed. 4-3 legit. All day long. I interviewed him a couple weeks ago. I was blown away with how technically advanced he is. I want to talk to him about speed. He had no interest in that. He goes, no, let me talk to you about how I understand how to attack leverage, how to create angles, what I learned at Cincinnati, playing in a pro-style offense, playing behind NFL receivers like Alec Pierce and having Desmond Ritter at quarterback. And all that came along with playing at an illustrious program like Cincinnati. Really smart kid. Speed is one thing he does. Mike Rabel's talked about the need to get faster on offense. They do need to get faster. They're one of the slowest teams in the NFL last year, particularly at receiver. He fits the bill. I think he's about what they're about. I also signaled, signaled out uh, uh, Osiris Torrance, guard from Florida. They met with him at the Combine, had a formal interview. They also uh, met with him the night before Florida's Pro Day in, in Florida, in Gainesville. So he's a guy I know they like. Well, they got a big hole at guard, right? They let Nate Davis walk in free agency. Uh, to me, they've got one starting guard right now on the roster, and that's Daniel Brunskill, uh, the guy they signed in free agency this year. I'm projecting that uh, Aaron Brewer is going to replace Ben Jones at center mm-hmm. this year. So they've got a hole at guard. I don't think they have anyone on the roster that can fill it, right? Dylan Radins, late season torn ACL. Corey Levin's a swing interior guy, more of a backup. And then there's Jamarco Jones, who didn't play at all last year. He was ruled out for the season with an injury in August. Uh, I know when they had signed him, they were hoping he was going to compete for a starting job. I don't know that that's still the case. You draft Osiris Torres at 42, he's plug and play. You're putting him at left guard, that's where he's starting. Last but not least, it was Cam Smith, the corner out of South Carolina. They have an underrated need at corner. I know everyone in Tennessee, Nashville, they want him to go offense with every pick. It's not that realistic, right? Uh, Look at corner, you got Christian Fulton entering a contract year. Sean Murphy bunting was only signed to a one-year deal. Probably going to try to turn that into a more lucrative contract elsewhere if he plays well. Caleb Farley, Elijah Molden, can't rely on them to stay healthy. They essentially didn't play this past year. Roger McCreary, up and down rookie year, might be a better fit for the nickel than he is outside. They need a corner. And Cam Smith, they hosted him on a top 30 visit. He's a press man guy all day long. That's what Mike Rabel likes to play. That's what Shane Bowen likes to play when they have the personnel to do so. They want to play man coverage. That's Cam Smith. He's been battle-tested in the SEC with South Carolina. Great testing numbers at the Combine. If he slips there to the second round, which I think there's a chance that he will, based on how deep this corner class is, wouldn't shock me if the Titans took Cam Smith there. Mm, I would love that. I love those dudes from the South Carolina secondary. Mm, they ball They've had a lot of them over the years, right? And they're ball players, and they come ready to play. They're pro-ready. That's what Cam Smith is. They run an NFL-style defense down there. And he'd be ready. To, I, I, if they draft that guy, I think he's starting week one. Mm. I like that kind mm. of Who's party. the other guy from South Carolina? I forgot his name. The corner. This year? Yeah. It's Darius Rush, right? The yes, one that Rush, was down Rush. there uh-huh. at the senior. He had the best senior bowl out of any defensive back <laughs> in the entire, uh, the entire, uh, the, whole, the whole crop this year. He was unbelievable. Yeah. Definitely yeah. did his draft stock a favor. I think he goes uh, gets drafted top 100 based on that senior bowl. Yeah, after they played Tennessee and beat them, I said those three secondary guys are all NFL, high-level NFL players. <laughs> Nobody believe me. 
<laughs> uh, High-level draft guy is Justin Mello talking the draft at Justin M underscore NFL. Uh, that last article, of course, uh, with Titans Music City Miracles, the draft network. You can catch him all over the place. Uh, we'll get our people with your people. We'll try to uh, squeeze in another, uh, you know, one last pre-draft appearance uh, next week so we can keep this series going. Thanks for the time, Justin. Can't wait. You know, you know where to find me, guys. Have a good one. Yes, sir. Uh, there's a graphic out there, Pro Football Focus. They put out these graphics like one of these things, one of these guys, this thing might happen to them, and it was traded on draft night, and one of them is a Titan. And I think people will be mad when they find out who it is. Yeah. That's next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. So, PFF. You know, them. they're the, the metric service, but they also do other intriguing things on their social media accounts. And they had this cool graphic they had made, basically about players, which one of these players could be traded on draft night. I think it was basically the wording. So it was a picture of DeAndre Hopkins, picture of Jonah Williams, the uh, tackle from Cincinnati, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, who said he wants to be traded, and Derrick Henry. He was the other guy, so three running backs, and they're all in one graphic together. And it got me thinking, and we're, we're kind of up against the break here, but in the break we'll formulate a way to put this in a poll because I thought about it this morning. I thought, no, I, I we need input. Different circumstances that you would be okay with them trading Derrick Henry because some might say there's no – some Titans fans say there's no circumstances that I'm okay with them trading him. Others might say, well, if it was part of a quarterback trade maybe. Well, if they really needed some extra picks, extra pick or two, I'd be okay with it. Or maybe it's a player swap. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they're swapping him for, heaven forbid, a receiver. So what's the what's the lowest pick you you going for if you're trading a pick for Derrick Henry, the king? People need to understand this. (laughs) I read Jim Wyatt's mailbag. Why don't we trade Derrick Henry for a one and a three? <laughs> Did y'all see that? Uh, Trading for a one and, I, and I, 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 I think I scared right Henry. by that one. <laughs> like I hate to tell you this, but could, could you? What could you get? Could you get two later round picks? Could you get? Isn't this a running back draft too? Like there's a lot of them. There's some good running backs in this draft. I mean, good one. None, none of them are going to be as good as Henry. So um, it makes me think. Some teams are going to be like, well, we can just draft one. I mean, they're all somewhat similar here if we're talking about giving up a fourth-round pick. And then we don't have to pay those guys anything. Yeah. Because if you trade for Derek, you get Derek's last year of his contract. And a lot of pass-catching backs in this draft. Mm, very my, my versatile backs. Two lane. Mm. Something has to happen for them to have more money. It has to happen. Said eleven and change. They signed Neiman, the uh, linebacker. The linebacker. So that's a million. His his hits a million. He's going to get that that minimum. We just signed his big time receiver. <laughs> so that dude. We don't even know what his numbers were. Do we know what he got? Minimum. Let's say that. No, we we don't have that information yet. These are both bets. So let's say each of them got a million. So that puts them at nine million and change. And if there's any kind of little bump or this or that or the other. Let's say it puts them right around $9 million. Well, it's going to take, what, six and something to sign the draft class. They played 86 people last year and 91 the year before, so we know they can't make it through with no money to sign people off the street. 
So I don't. I, they need more money. They need more cap money. They need more money. They don't need it Here's today, but they're going to need it. Maybe we should say, and Lucas could help formulate it, who is more likely to get traded? Oh. Byard, King, or for kicks and giggles, Tannehill. <laughs> Just in case. You never know in case they're going to move up and get a quarterback. I think it's definitely Byard. See, that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's more valuable to more teams, yeah. I, I, I would guess, at this point. And Eckler is still saying he wants to trade. Man, yeah, running back stuff is dangerous, man. Buda Baker is out there, wants, but he wants to be the highest paid safety in NFL history. And like, oh, is that is that the reason he, why he wants out? Yes, he's he's requested a trade from Arizona. He wants to be the highest paid safety in the NFL. He, he needs to stop that. And this is not to me the time to be. Yeah. I know he's one of the better ones, but I don't. I just think this is not the year. To go out there. I think you need to collect those nice big chunky checks there at Arizona and take your take your lumps and maybe wait a year, man. That's bad recommendation by his agent. And then he didn't do it at the, the beginning. Like as soon as the off season hit, when all the things are coming out, you gonna wait till now. Like oh, maybe we'll do it now so they can trade you before the draft. Lonzo says in the chat, nothing less than a third for Henry. No, I don't. I don't think they're gonna get a three, man. I'm a, you think that'd be the top? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm three. thinking. I think he's gonna four. I think he's gonna be a fourth round pick. It, it could be later. It could be four, fifth, six, conditional. It, it just he has to fit in their scheme and offense. Now people don't understand. One thing that benefited him here is this is a run based offense. Most offenses, uh, you know, the running backs are going out and catching the ball at the backfield. And I'm not talking about no swing and no screen passes. They also are great blockers. Uh, they're pretty good at everything, just not great at one thing, which is Derrick Henry is at right. running football. So uh, I don't know, man. It's going to, you know, it's it's even smaller to say what team does he fit. And that was these, this whole argument is the same thing we had when he almost became a free agent yeah. when they gave him the money. So. It hasn't changed. He's gotten better at it, but still hasn't changed. That's still not, you know, that's, you know he's a downhill runner. That's at the end of the day, nobody want to run into no six three six four running back <laughs> with a run-ahead start. <laughs> uh, you got to make those decisions during the week. I think it's going to be tough. Like, I think he's going to be harder to trade than Bayard. I think it's still tough for even, even Bayard because of where he's at in his pay. It's going to be tough, man. I'm going to make a prediction that they're, they're probably going to save it. Save oh, it for oh, the okay. other side. Predictions from the hitman. Uh-oh. Next on Blaine and Mickey. Take it to the bank. <laughs> Let's see. Something different for dinner. Searching restaurants near me. Right here, ma'am. How can we help? Gee, same old, same old. Wait, we're, we're right here. Ma'am, our restaurant's just a few blocks from you. Why is she not seeing us? Back to the usual, I guess. Ma'am, can you not see us? Nope, they can't see you. Because you're buried deep in the list of local restaurants. You are invisible online. Introducing Cumulus Boost. Get a boost, get found, get on the map. Learn more at CumulusBoost.com. 
Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. Scott Grimes is here Thank with you. us. Voiceover, that is like my dream job. I think I just have too distinctive a voice and I can't manipulate it. That's why I'm right. not a good singer. This is how great Seth MacFarlane is. I went in to do it and I was talking like this and he goes, good, now just get rid of the neck thing that you just did because it's one, it's ugly. And then I just came out like this and came up with this guy named Steve Smith who has a tiny little lisp, but so does Scott Grimes, so it's perfect. What women binge wherever you listen. What's up, folks? Anthony Armstrong here. Bob Popple, along with Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. Hey, NFL fans. This is Solomon Wilcox, former NFL safety and host of the Believe in Bengals podcast. Catch my show and all 32 Believe NFL podcasts. Listen in to former players give their inside perspective on your favorite team. Search Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. It's always football season, wherever you listen.